Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to Summit Church of Castle Rock. Happy New Year. I can only say that a little bit longer, but um, hope you're doing well today. So grab your Bible, grab a pen, grab a coffee, get ready, invite a friend. Hey, would you do this? Would you share this link with somebody? Let them know that church is going to start at 1030. So share, share, share. I am on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope Twitter which is now all one thing, I guess. Uh, I have a Twitch channel, um, and my LinkedIn does video as well, and you can also find me on Instagram. So God bless you guys. Hope to see many of you very soon, and uh, share this link with a friend, and we will get started with church in about five minutes. Five minutes, everybody.
everybody. Welcome. Happy New Year. I've got a different kind of setup going on today. I got the lyrics over there. I've got a chat down here. We're going to have a Bible right here. I'm bringing in the marker board over here for some teaching. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So making some changes. We'll tell you about what's going on with the church in the next month. And uh, we're believing God for some breakthrough here by the end of January. But let's get into it. Let's start singing, huh? And then you share this link one more time. I give that share link. Share, share, share. Share this link over Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, or follow me on, on Instagram. And let's invite folks to be a part of our worship gathering here this morning online. But let's sing. Well, let me get my let me get my special sauce going on here. I guess sauce is a thing. We just were learning this from Max last night. We gotta have our we gotta have our sauce. So uh, here's our sauce. Oh, hear that? This moment I will sing 
everybody good singing hope you're singing where you are real loud and strong and you got your family up today and you're gonna worship God let's let's open with prayer father we love you we thank you even though we can't be together in person Lord we are gathered in your name on this feed today and across all these platforms and I know we got a lot of watchers in a lot of different places Lord would you meet with us today as we worship as we study the scriptures as we do our best, Lord, to live our lives for you during these really uncertain times, I pray the peace of God would just transcend all human understanding. It would it'd come over our nation. It come over our hearts and our minds. In fact, let's do this. This is a little prayer exercise I learned several years ago. Just about It's kind of an incarnational exercise. Would you just repeat after me? We're going to do Christ be in my mind, heart, hands, and feet in my mouth. Just do this with me. Repeat after me. Wherever you are, just put your hands on your head and just say this. Christ, be in my mind. Christ, be in my mind. And just let that soak in for a second. Now move your hands to your lips and say, Christ, be in my mouth. Christ, be in my mouth. Move your hands over your heart and say, Christ be in my heart. Christ be in my heart. And now let's just do Christ be in my hands. Christ be in my hands. Christ be in my hands. Yes, Lord, we invite you into every aspect of our lives, to our mind, will, and emotions. Lord, everything in this world is trying to upset us and get us fearful and angry and bitter and judgmental. But we, Lord, we thank you that you, we're not citizens exclusively of this kingdom. We're citizens of a higher kingdom, of a better promise that heaven is our home and one day we're going to spend eternity with you. So it doesn't matter what happens in the earth as much as what happens in heaven. And just as you taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray that your will would begin to be done in our minds, in our hearts, in our mouths, in our hands. Lord, just be glorified in everything we say and do words that we sing here in the next few minutes and the study that we study through Matthew chapter 6 through 11 today. Help us to take on the things that Jesus told us to do and to realize that we're not called to do it in our own strength. We're called to do it with your power at work in us, the Holy Spirit at work in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Is your phone working? I just want to make sure the feed is working. I'll just double check it there. Is it on? Okay, good. Praise God. All right, we're going to move to another favorite worship song called Waymaker. So how do you like having lyrics? Is it nice to have lyrics there? All right. So <laughs> I like having lyrics. I know sometimes it's nice to have the words in front of you. So... <laughs> 
worship you. We make you big, Lord. We make you big in our hearts and our minds. We don't worship our problems, Lord. We worship you. Lord, we embrace faith and not fear today, God. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, let's do this. We have a habit as a church of doing a gratitude exercise. Would you, would you name at least five things that you're thankful for? Put it in the chat. In fact, I have a very special guest in the studio with me today. I'm not going to turn the camera because she's got curlers in her hair. But uh, I'm going to type in the things I'm most grateful for. Um, at least five things. Can you do the same? What are you thankful for? Name it. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Yeah. All right, there you go. That's those. I did my five. Can you come up with five things that you're thankful for? Just put them in the chat there. What are you thankful for? What are you, what are you really thanking God for? Hallelujah. Yeah. It's not on my list, and I don't have the lyrics for it, but you know, this is a good song about gratitude. It's an old Andre Crouch song. It goes, Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. One more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. I just want to, to take a little time right now and say thank you, Lord. She's thankful for God's faithfulness no matter what's happening in our lives. Amen. Meredith says she's thankful for healing for a, a friend with COVID, for God's provision, a healthy family, home, education, and friends. Tim says he's thankful for joy and health and love, family and hope. Ooh, those are pretty good things, right? What are you thankful for? If you haven't put it in the chat yet, would you do it again? And we'll sing this one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. I just want to. Lord, for all you've done for me, yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. I hope you're singing loud where you are. I can't hold you accountable with this, this uh, church online thing. Because I know a lot of people are just sitting on their couch going, mm -hmm. or worse, they're on their computer and they're scrolling on their phone. Stop it. Focus. Be here with us, everybody. Let's worship and really be here and be in the worship with us. So um, I'm going to do one of the, I haven't done this one in a while. It's called One Thing Remains. And the reason why I felt like I needed to pull it, Taylor, this is a song I wanted to pull, was, you know, so many distractions, right? We're going to focus on politics. We're going to focus on COVID-19. Focus on how am I going to make a living? I'm going to focus on my kids. I'm going to focus on staying healthy. I'm going to focus, like, we can be distracted by so many things. But Jesus said, there's only one thing you really need to do. Only one thing. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, Right? Uh, so much of life is just surrendering all these things to God and just doing the one thing, which is love, loving God, loving others, actually loving yourself, like doing the things that God wants you to do. And the one thing that remains is his love. And it never gives up. It never walks out on us. God's love never fails. Everything else will fade away, but God never will. And this is actually a song I used to do in jail ministry quite a bit. We used to go to the Denver County Correctional Facilities in different uh, jails. I used to do the, the uh, Department of Corrections for teenagers and young people. And they, we all need something to hold on to during difficult times. So this one's called One Thing Remains. And many of you know it already. Sing along. Constant in the trial 
spirit. I feel him. I feel him. I hope you feel him. I know you do. I know you do. You know, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. I feel it. Even I know that you're not with me in the room. I know you're out there worshiping with me. And somehow, I feel that communion of the saints. I feel that fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It does help to have someone in the room with me. <laughs> I'll just say, it's nice to have you today, Kim, with me in the room. It's really hard to worship sometimes or preach to a camera. So it's nice to have somebody uh, in the room. Hey, so uh, I'm going to read the one-year Bible. I bet Tim knows what it says. We're looking at January the 10th. In the highlighted verse, in the one year, it says, uh, it's Matthew chapter 8, which actually we're going to be covering today in the sermon, so I won't do a lot of preaching around it because I'm going to be talking about this chapter, but the highlighted verse in the one-year Bible is Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. One day, Jesus is going to reunite all of the nations of the world with God. Israel, of course, is the root, is, is the trunk of the tree. And we Gentiles have been grafted into the kingdom because of the root of David, because of the branch of David. But G Jesus is, is in the business of reconciling all of mankind to God. And we're all going to sit down at the table of Abraham. That means Muslims currently, Arabic people who are the sons of, of Ishmael, they're also sons of Abraham, they're going to sit down with Jews. Right now you don't see Jews and, and, and Arabs sitting down at tables together, but guess what? They're going to sit down at the same table. You're going to have uh, Gentiles that never would normally get along are going to sit down together. The, the Irish and the English are going to sit down together. <laughs> the, the French and the English, right? Uh, the Canadians and uh, the Americans, we're all going to sit down together. Uh, liberals and conservatives, we're all going to sit down together. Whoa, whoa. God has a plan to reconcile all of mankind. The, the Chinese and the Australians, like you can name all the people of the world. We're all going to sit down at the table of Abraham and enjoy fellowship because of Jesus. So it's pretty wonderful when you think about it. Now, I'm not going to preach on that passage cause, right now because I'm going to be preaching in just a minute. But let's sing one more worship song and we haven't sung this one in a while but man i sure love it and it's called this is a move and kim and i were watching uh this last night uh her, her i think it's uh her name is tara tasha hobbs and her version of this song on youtube is amazing and i i i cry almost every time i listen to it but uh i didn't cry last night but it's a good one
today. Pray now as we open our hearts and our minds to receive the teachings of Christ from the Gospel of Matthew. Lord, I pray that it be like Jesus is just spanning the gap through all the years and speaking directly to our hearts today. That I would get out of the way and Lord Jesus, you would come get in the way, in the best way. So bless everything we do and say now in Jesus' name. Hey, so would you do this? Share this link with a friend. Tell them that church has begun. Worship is over, but you didn't miss the sermon yet. So share, share, share. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, Twitch, LinkedIn, and, and um, Instagram. Also, if you want to support the ministry, you can also go online to do that. Go to mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link. You can also mail your gift and there'll be information about that at the end of this video. Or you can give by text. So if you're watching this on your laptop, you can open your, your phone, your smartphone, open your text bubble, your, your texting app, and text this number, 303-625-9434. And in the speech text area, type the exact amount of your gift and press send, and prompts will come up on your smartphone. And 100% of what you give by text uh, goes to the ministry. There's no carrier fees and there's no extra charges. You can support the ministry directly that way. But hey, grab your Bible. We are going to get into our study. We're continuing a study today, so I'm going to get my I'm going to get my easel over here, and <laughs> I've titled this sermon today. Some of you saw I did a little promo on Facebook uh, Live last night. Not not live, but on a on a Facebook um, picture. I titled this message. 
the separation of church and fake. <laughs> the separation, let me get the glare off of there. The separation of church and fake. You know, there are true Christians and there are fake Christians. Did you know that? There are people who claim to be believers but are not. There are the people who claim to believe in God, but they really don't. And so uh, we want it to get away from people who are false believers or who are saying that there's some other way um, to, to God other than Christ Jesus. Because, you know, good behavior is not going to get you to heaven. Did you know that being a good person is not going to get you there? It's only the redemptive work, the grace of Jesus that gets you into heaven. If someone says that you get to heaven by being a good person, they're lying or they're, they're false. They don't know how this all really works. The grace of God is a free gift offered because of the blood atoning sacrifice of Christ. And it's received by faith, not of works. So no one can boast about it. But there are a lot of people who want to tell you that it's the grace of Jesus plus being a good person. Nope. It's grace plus nothing. It's grace plus nothing. And if I had to earn my way to heaven, I would never get there. And neither would you. Because no one is ever going to deserve the grace of God. None of us will ever be able to perform our way into heaven. The separation of church and fake. Let's just pray a blessing of the word. Father, may we hear your word. Open our ears and our eyes to see what you're teaching us in the scripture. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So I'm trying a new little technique you've already noticed with text. And I may, I may go back and forth with my verses to, to zero in on it so you can actually see the verse very clearly. But I think it's always a good idea to have a paper Bible, you know, because you know what happens with the cell phone? The battery goes out. <laughs> what happens if you lose internet and you can't, well, I can't open the Bible app? No, no. How about you have a paper Bible? How about you write down on the pages of scripture your insights and ideas, you highlight verses that are meaningful to you. I think having a paper Bible is really important. So I have my paper Bible here. I might, I might zoom in on a few of these scriptures. But we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, the separation of church and fake. <laughs> and so... Jesus says this. He says, be careful. Take care. Do, do, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired because then you, uh, for, uh, to be admired by others because then you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. When you give a gift to someone in need, don't shout about it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I assure you, they have received all the reward that they will ever get. And, but when you give to someone, don't tell the left hand what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in secret, and your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. The first, the first thing I, I think we want to talk about is motives. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? Do we give so people think, oh, you're a really nice person. Oh, you're so generous. You're a great guy. You know, the Pharisees actually would actually hire trumpeters to go before them in the streets of Jerusalem and go, Look, Rabbi Shmuley has given a zillion dollars to the poor people. Wow, Rabbi Shmuley, amazing. Or whoever, whoever was his name was, right? They would actually hire people 
to ring a bell in front of them and go, look how generous your teachers of the law are. Ding-a-ling, ding-ding, ding-a-long. How do we know that that is not what God wants? He's not looking for you to get attaboys and attagirls for doing the things you should be doing anyways, right? We're supposed to give with a good motive. We should give because God is a giver. We should give because we care about people, not, not for how it makes us look. So having the right motives, this whole first uh, chapter we're studying, Matthew 6, is all about having right motives. See, a true, a true believer tries to, tries, doesn't care about what people think about their appearance. A true believer, and so let's just say that we're going to go true and fake. True on the left side and fake on the other, okay? So a true believer is doing it from a pure heart, right? A pure heart. But a fake person is doing it for selfish motives. That's an easy way to tell if someone's a real believer or not. Are they doing it from a pure heart or are they doing it because of selfish motives? And then this, he goes on to talk about motives in several different areas. He talks about pray, prayer and fasting. Why do you fast? Why do you pray? How do you pray? Why do you fast? He picks up in verse 5. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your, your father secretly. And then your father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. Now, it's not that we are forbidden from praying publicly, because we know that's not true. There are times when God has called people to seasons, national seasons of fasting and prayer. He calls a whole nation to pray together. Churches pray together. Families pray together. But we don't pray to show everyone how holy we are or to, to show that somehow we're better than other people. We pray because it's our communication with God. It's how we connect with God. We don't pray to impress other people. We do it with a pure heart, not for selfish ambition or selfish motives. We're not, we don't care what other people think about us. We care about what God thinks of us. That's why we pray. And then he goes on with the different teaching, he actually gives the Our Father. He gives, this is the way you ought to pray. And many of you know it. You could repeat it right with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Now, the Gospel of Matthew, actually, that's, that's from church tradition. It comes from a Latin tradition of, of Christianity, where that's that rote prayer that Christians have been taught to pray. But the Gospel of Matthew stops at verse 13. It says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then Jesus inserts an important part to the teaching. He's showing the manner in which they should pray. He's not actually praying in the moment. He's showing them how to pray. He says, for if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. It goes back to pure heart. Are you going to forgive other people? Are you going to keep clear accounts? Are you going to love people even when they're not very lovely? Even when you have many reasons that you could be angry with them? Even when you feel justified? Guess what? You're supposed to forgive them anyway. 
Right? If we're supposed to love our enemies, we should also love those who we love, but who have harmed us or wronged us. And it's all about having a pure heart. So forgiveness is so key. And then he begins to teach about money and possessions. Why would, why would money and possessions come up in this teaching about pure motives and selfish motives? Well, money is connected, right? You're like, where you spend your money is what you value. You know, if someone said, hey, what do you value? I would say, well, show me your bank account. Show me your bank statement. Show me your credit card statement. What do you spend your money on? Oh, you, oh wow, you go skiing a lot. Oh, outdoors and sports. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, computers and technology. Oh, I see you're a business owner. You spend a lot on marketing and you pay your employees and you, you, you spend a lot on inventory. Wow, those, these are things that you value. See, your heart, your value, money is a measure of what you value. And if you don't value it, you don't spend money on it. Well, what do you value when it comes to the kingdom of God? Well, I could, I could tell you, your, your checkbook immediately <laughs> determines, it shows whether you value the things of God, the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ or not. If you get, don't give a dime to anybody, you don't, you don't spend any money on anyone but, but yourself, probably means you're kind of a selfish person, right? Money is a measure of where your heart is. And so where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So verse 19 of Matthew 6, Jesus teaching about money and possessions. He says, don't store up treasure here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty, where they'll be safe from thieves. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. You want this to be true. You want to like even test this out. Just, just start investing in some penny stocks. Just like take a few bucks, just a few bones and put in an apple. You know what you'll start? You'll start following the apple share price. But just spend 20 bucks on Bitcoin. See what happens. All of a sudden you start looking at the Bitcoin price. Just, wherever you put your money, your heart follows it. You're like, oh yeah. Start investing in something. You want to see how it grows. You want to see how it develops. Plant a garden. You start seeing where those seeds went. And you're like, oh, I water it. And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, look, it's growing. Well, I pull those weeds out of there. It's killing my tomatoes. Like, we, wherever we invest is what we start to care about. And so I think what Jesus is saying about money it goes back to the same thing. Have a pure heart about what your possessions and your money. Don't have selfish motives with your money. Now, I would say this. How do, how do we deal with money? We earn. We give. We save. And we spend. Of course, there's a whole teaching. We could, we could do a whole series around Financial Peace University. I could take you through the Dave Ramsey course. But, you know, that really comes down to four things. Earning, giving, saving, spending. Right? That's where all of our possessions and our money and how we deal with money. How do you earn, say, give, save, and spend with a pure heart? Even you think about, am I earning, trying to earn a wage so I can be rich? Or am I trying to earn some money to provide for my family, to have some extra to bless others? Does, is money a tool? Is it your servant or are you a slave to it? See, they say that money is a wonderful servant but a terrible master. I think that's true. One's a wonderful servant but a terrible master. So Jesus says that we need to give freely. He says in verse 19, it says, freely you've received, so freely give. In the same way that we forgive, we're also called to give. And when God gives us, we give back. We don't give everything. 
but we give first fruits. We give a portion back to God and to his kingdom and what he's doing. And then he blesses the other 90%. And of course, I think we should, the Bible says in, in the house of the wise is choice food and oil, but the, but the foolish man spends all that he has. So we gather, we keep, we save, we retain, we take good care of the things that we have, and then God trusts us with more. And that's, that's how it works. So money and possessions all comes back to a pure heart. So here's a question for you to consider. Maybe you want to re respond in the comment section. How is it possible to get addicted to shopping? Why do people feel like they need to spend money? What Have you noticed during the pandemic, people have started to spend more on Amazon than ever before. The price of Amazon, the, the sales of Amazon has gone up 90% during the pandemic. Isn't that crazy? Why, when we spend money, we feel like, oh, I, I, I need something. I need something to make me happy. I need something to give me peace. I need a gadget to fix this one area of my life. I need this. I need that. I need that. And I'm guilty of it. I'm an American just like you. We're all guilty of it, right? But we realize that money and possessions are not what are gonna, what's going to satisfy. That what truly satisfies is, is the Lord, an eternal relationship with God. And that not only can, can money be a trap, but our possessions can be a trap. We start, I remember, I know a lot of people that were Christians, when they buy a boat, suddenly they stop coming to church. Because like, I feel like I have to go to the lake on the weekends. I got to go use that boat because I spent so much money on the boat. Well, that boat is actually taking you away, away from your church family. You'd be like, do you, do you want to serve the boat? They'd say what a boat is, is a hole in the water that you throw money in. Have you heard that before? Yeah, there's two days that you're most happy about a boat. The day you buy the boat and the day you sell the boat. <laughs> I think Simon Peter would probably agree with that. So money and possessions, it's a measure of where our heart is. So let's get on to, to chapter 7. There's so much more I can teach. And each of these could each, each of these chapters could be a sermon in and of itself. But I'm, I'm trying to give you a fast overview of each chapter. Chapter 7, Jesus talks about... So here's point number one. If you're going to write down points in this sermon, point number one. True Christians serve God with good motives or with a pure heart. And they trust Him for everything. They trust Him for everything. So we're talking about separation of church and fake. What makes a real Christian versus a fake Christian? A real Christian has a pure heart. They serve God. They trust God out of a pure heart, not selfish motives. Chapter 7, Jesus talks about don't condemn others. And you've got to realize he's teaching in, in the context where he's surrounded by Pharisees and teachers of the law. There's Jewish people that are scrutinizing everything he says. Remember the Sanhedrin, Pharisees going, oh, who is this Nazareth prophet? Who does he think he is? What's he about to say? How dare he? Wasn't his cousin John the Baptist the guy that told us to repent? That weirdo out in the wilderness? Well, yeah. Yeah, he was. Jesus was an outsider. He was coming in and he was disrupting the whole scene. In Jerusalem when he came. And he's saying, look, it's been very religious, but you don't even know the first thing about God. <laughs> you know the law, you know what Moses said, and you've made up a whole bunch of rules that God never said to do. My heavenly father would come down and straighten you guys up, and that's kind of why I'm here. Jesus was a reformer, and he was, he was a life-giving leader. He, he, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law and bring the heart behind the law. See, the man, he said about the Sabbath. 
Man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. The rules, the laws were not given to become, that we become a slave to religion. The rules and the laws were given as a gift from God so that we wouldn't hurt ourselves. So that we wouldn't be separated from God. That sin would not take its toll on our lives. That we would live pure and open and free. And have the grace and the goodness of God and, the, and this, that sun, sunlight of the Spirit shining on our lives. Jesus was a life-giving teacher. And you know the difference between a life-giving person and, a, and a, a nasty religious person? It's easy to see, right? You're like, the difference, that, that comes to the next motive. How can you tell the difference between a real Christian and a fake Christian? Well, a real Christian is life-giving. They're fun to be around. They make you smile. They encourage you. They point you to the word. When you mess up, they, they love you enough to go, hey man, let me tell you something, and this is gonna, this is gonna sting a little, but I only say it because I love you. Right? Uh, they're life-giving. They're pure-hearted. But a fake Christian, a religious person, is legalistic. You better do it my way or else. Uh, it's my way or the highway. It's my interpretation of the scriptures and everyone else is wrong. Ooh, 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 ooh. Wait a second. Wait a second. What if your interpretation is wrong? Maybe, maybe God is not the God with the big hammer waiting to clobber you, but maybe he's the, the loving, gracious one who gave his son so that all people could be reconciled to God. Not that the laws aren't important, but it's not all about the law. The law was given so that we would know our sinfulness, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus was life-giving, not, not life-sucking, <laughs> not legalistic, but he came to say, I, I'm coming with a different attitude. I'm going to show you that God is not who you thought he was. Here he is in chapter 7, verse 1. Stop judging others, and you will not be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. For whatever measure you use in judging others, it will be used to measure how you are judged. And why do you worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, let me help you get that little speck out of your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, get the log out of your own eye. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't give what is holy to unholy people. Don't give pearls to the swine, for they will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. In the Septuagint, in the Greek translation of the New Testament, it says, don't give what is sacred to the dogs, because the dogs will turn and attack you. Now, th these religious people can be like angry dogs. <laughs> right? You ever you run into someone who's like so legalistic? It's like you're being eaten alive by these people, right? And Jesus, Jesus says, I got a little log here. Jesus says, you got a little log in your eye there. Uh, hey, buddy, you got to fix that. You got to fix this. You got to fix that. Well, how can you even see what needs to get fixed? Because you got a log in your own eye. First, get the log. Get that log out of your eye. Then maybe you can see the speck in someone else's eye. You're like, I got this glaring sin, but I'm going to tell you about what's wrong with your life. No, no, no. Before you're quick to judge someone else, get that log out. Start dealing with the issues that you've got before you become the king in the universe to judge everybody. And even if you're living a righteous life, it's really not your job to be the Holy Spirit for someone. Live a godly life. And your example will convict people of sin. 
Yes, point people to the gospel. Point them to Jesus. But get the log out of your eye. And so you know what's so sad? Is that I think it's oftentimes the people who want to quote that judging scripture who are the most judgmental. The people who don't want to be judged end up being the most judgy. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, well, because they don't want to look at their own issues. They want to point out everyone else's so they can feel better about their own dysfunction and sin, right? But that God has a better way for us. Christ is life-giving, not legalistic. And then he goes on to talk about effective prayer. He says, keep on praying and you'll get what you ask for. Keep on looking and you'll find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. Persistently keep on praying. Real Christians are persistent prayer warriors. They believe God, even when it seems impossible. They go, okay, God, I don't see it, but I'm going to believe you. You said it. I believe your promises. You cannot lie. You're good. And then when we trust God, we know he's going to come through. Then he, Jesus teaches about the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Another life-giving teaching, right? And then he makes this, this uh, very, uh, I guess, difficult saying, but I know it's true. He says the narrow gate. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for many who choose that easy way. But the gateway to life is small, and the road is narrow, and only a few ever find it. I think Jesus is saying, to be a disciple of mine, it's not an easy life. It's a good life, but there are not a lot of people that choose to follow in my footsteps. There are a lot of people who want to have the fire insurance and then just go their own way. But you know, there's a narrow way. There's a better way to live if you'll take that way. And it's through the narrow gate. Then he, he talks about the tree and its fruit. He says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep. They're really wolves that are wanting to tear you apart. Again, talking about the legalistic religious people. He says, A healthy tree produces uh, good fruit, and an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce Good, uh, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. So here's my second point here today. True believers are life-giving. They're persistent. And they're consistent in their walk with Christ. They're predictable. They're going to live like Christ did in this world. They're going to say the things that Jesus would say. They're going to do the things that Jesus would do. They're loving. They're gracious. They're kind. And then we're really getting to the separation of church and fake now. We're really getting to the separation of true disciples versus fake disciples. Jesus makes this statement in verse 21 about true disciples. He says, Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Go away. The things you did were unauthorized. Whew. Jesus is saying the real test of a true disciple is obedience. Obedience. How do you know if someone's really a Christian? <laughs> do, they, do they read the Bible? Do they pray? Do they try to live according to the word? Now, now, none of us are going to do it perfectly, right? None of us are going to be perfect at that. 
But are we trusting in good works to save us? Or are we trusting in the grace of Christ? Are, in the secret place, who are you when no one is looking? Do you pray when no one's looking? Are you seeking God even when no one's around? You're crying out to God? You're a worshiper? Do you read God's word for the sake of reading it, not to that, that as some religious exercise? Are you a life-giving person? You're letting the Holy Spirit of God live inside of you. Have you opened up your heart to say, okay, Jesus, come in. Take out the things that don't belong there. Forgive me the, the wrong attitudes, the wrong motives, the things that I've done, the selfish things that I've done. Help me to have your heart, Lord. Come in, God, and, and I want to serve you in a way that honors you. Yes, I want to cast out demons. Yes, I want to raise the dead. Yes, I want to preach the gospel. But in the end of the day, I don't want to do all those things and then later myself be disqualified because I never had a relationship with you. He doesn't say, depart from me, you never knew me. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. Have you let Christ come in to know you? Have you let him into the secret place to begin to change your selfish motives, to begin to give you the life-giving spirit of God? If you haven't, it's time to say, okay, Jesus, I'm sick of doing it a religious way. I want to start to do it with your spirit inside of me. And then he will enable you to begin to obey these commands that you found so difficult to obey before. And otherwise, I think a truly spiritual life in Christ is impossible. I don't think you can actually do it without Holy, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So build your life on a solid foundation. Of course, he talks about that uh, a man who built his, his life on the solid rock versus the man who built his life on sand. A person who has a truly spiritual life has built their life on the foundation stone of the solid rock of, of the kingdom, of Jesus Christ, of the Lord, of God's truth. And then when winds and waves, when global pandemics come, when the presidential elections get crazy, when riots happen in the streets, I will not be shaken my life is on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm, I'm nearing the end here. So that's uh, point two. Chapter eight is this. We're talking about true believers. Men and women are women of action. This one's going to go pretty fast. In chapter eight, Jesus starts to heal many people. And there's so many stories that I could recount here, but I'm just going to give you the high, high points of each one. He heals a man with leprosy. Jesus was touching the untouchable, and he heals... Oh man, there's a faith of a Roman officer who had a, a sick child and he says, just send the word, Jesus, and he'll be healed because I'm a man under authority and I understand authority. All you have to do is send the word and I know that, that the healing will come and it's Jesus heals. Jesus heals many people. And then he makes this statement in Matthew chapter 8, verse 19. He says, one of the teachers of the law said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. He says, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to, of his own, no place, not even a place to lay his head. And then another disciple says, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus told him, follow me now. Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Whoa. Well, Jesus is saying, forget about all the things that you think are important. Follow me and follow me right now. Stop finding your own way. Start, start going my way. And of course, this was a man who was probably with those religious teachers of the law. He was trying to keep the law and make God happy and be accepted by God through his behavior. Well, that's not how you get to heaven. You're not going to earn your way there. So what we see here in the point number three in chapter eight, true believers and men are men and women of action. 
men and women of action. A person of faith, a true believer, is a person of action. A false believer is all talk <laughs> and nothing. <laughs> right? They, 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 they like to talk a good game, but they don't do it. Jesus was talk and action. He, he walked the talk and he talked the walk. And that's what we're called to do as true believers. True believer walks the talk. And so while the rest are making excuses, the righteous are making plans. I'll say that again. While the rest are making excuses, the righteous are making plans and they're executing those plans. They're doing what God has called them to do. And then we see Jesus comes into to a place where they're in a storm. They're on the Sea of Galilee and it's a stormy night. And the disciples are worried that they're going to die. He says, Lord, don't you care if we drown? <laughs> and, and then verse 26, he gets up. He says, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. And he stood up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly all was calm. You know, Jesus can calm the storm. He can calm the storm in your life. He can calm the storm in our country. He can calm the storm in whatever situation you find yourself in. He commands the storm. He's a, he's a man of action. He was a man of talk, but he wasn't all talk. And what he, the words that he spoke were true. This takes us to chapter 9. Jesus again continues to heal. He heals a paralyzed man. And then he calls Matthew. Matesyahu. Matthew, Matthew, in the Hebrew. The man who wrote this gospel. This is his own testimony. Matthew throws a party. And he says, Jesus, I want you to meet all my friends. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, this tax collector, this party animal, this guy who's not a very good Jew. You're going to go and see all these tax collectors and sinners. You're going to go to this guy's house? Okay, whoa. That's why Jesus got a bad reputation, because he hung out with sinners. And yet he said, okay, Matt, I'll go to your house. I'll go. And, and many people are converted and follow Jesus because of Matthew's party. And then Jesus gives a discussion about fasting. And many of us are in a fast right now during these 21 days. He says, no one puts uh, new wine in old wineskins. The old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and rooting the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. Way, that way both the wine and the skins will be pre preserved. See, I, I like to start the year with prayer and fasting, because I'm getting rid of the old wineskins. I'm saying, God, what are you doing this year? I'm forgetting the past. Whew. Recreate me and my life for 2021. What are you doing now, God? What are you doing now? And when I, when I seek God, he begins to give me direction. He begins to help me. He begins to guide me. He gives me peace. And I go, whoa, okay, whoa, this is crazy. Wow, all right, God. I didn't see that one coming. You know, I, I was looking, there was a restaurant that was possibly going to open for us to do in-person services. And then it looked like the door was closing. Then suddenly I got a call from a random guy who has a church building. I'm like, well, maybe that's it. This afternoon, I'm going to look at it. It, it could be a dead end too. I don't know. But I know that God leads us by his spirit and opens doors that we can never open for ourselves. When he does a thing, it's so obvious that we didn't orchestrate it that we can walk right through. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's not. I'll tell you, though, for the next four weeks or the next three weeks, we're going to be doing church like this. We're going to be online. And once we make a move, we'll promote it so you know you can invite your friends to it. But we're going to just do church this way for the next few weeks until we figure it out. 
Point number four, I'm going to land the plane here in a second. True believers have compassion on others, especially outcasts. That's what Jesus was demonstrating here. He had a compassion on Matthew. Chapter 10, and we'll land it here, the final point about true disciples. In chapter 10, Jesus sends out the disciples to do evangelistic work throughout Israel. And he's telling them, go preach the kingdom of God. If you're invited into a house, bring your blessing. Uh, when when uh, people are trying to deceive you, be as wise as uh, serpents, but gentle as doves. When you're being persecuted in one time, one town, go to the next. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for a time is coming when everything will be revealed. And that is the secrets, uh, that all secrets will be made public. So the final point is this. True disciples take the message of Christ to the world. True disciples are proclaimers. But um, I would say false Christians are Pharisees or judgmental. We proclaim the goodness in the kingdom of God, that the gospel's been proclaimed. And it's not us that's done it, it's Christ that's done it. And that's kind of where I want to land it here today. We need to share the gospel of Christ unashamed. And verse 28 in this chapter, chapter 10, he says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. They can only kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God and those who who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Not even a sparrow worth only half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to him than a flock of sparrows. If anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace on earth. No, I came to bring a sword. So if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, you will find it. Anyone who welcomes you is welcoming me. Anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. And if you welcome a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will receive the same reward that a prophet gets. And if you welcome good and godly people because of their godliness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give them a cup of cold water to one of these least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Jesus says, confess me before men. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Be a life-giving person. Be pure-hearted. Be a person of action. Proclaim the goodness of the kingdom. Don't be a fake Christian. Be the real thing. Don't just preach the gospel, but live the gospel. Now, you can't do it without Jesus being being in there, without you welcoming his spirit into your life. Maybe you've never done that, you know. The gospel is still true all these many years later. See, God created you to be with him. You've been made in the image of God, but you're not his son or daughter until you've said, adopt me, heavenly father. You're made in his image. He loves you. He's reaching to you, but he wants you to reach back. See, our sins, they separate us from God. And a lot of religious people, they want to pay for their own sins. But you'll never be able to pay for your own sins. You'll never be able to do enough good works to outweigh the the sin and the evil of your life. The only one that could pay for that is Christ. 
paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and he rose again. So everyone, anyone who'll say yes to him can have eternal life. And it begins the moment you say, okay, Jesus, please come in. I need you. I love you. I want to serve you. If you haven't done that, would you pray the prayer right now? Pray the prayer of salvation with me. Just say these words after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for going my own way. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now be a real Christian. Don't just be a Christian in name only. <laughs> Don't just be a hypocrite and say, oh yeah, well I prayed the prayer, I'm in. Well, yeah, maybe you got the fire insurance, but don't you want to walk with God? Be a disciple of His? Don't you want to really truly turn your life over to Christ? Because I think Jesus said, those who love me obey my commandments. So it's important that we start doing the things that he's commanded us to do. One of the things that he's asked us to do is to meditate on his word. King David says this over and over again. This, this time of the year, I love to encourage people to get a Bible reading plan. Here on the screen, you'll see a Bible reading plan that I highly recommend. Uh, Vicar Nikki Gumbel from the Alpha Course in London has an incredible one-year Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app. Maybe you want to start reading the Bible to this year. Just make it one of your New, new Year's resolutions. That I'm going to start reading the Bible. Open up the YouVersion Bible app. It's totally free. Go and go through to plans and look for the one-year Bible app or the Bible in a year, 2021, Nikki Gumbel in the Alpha Course. And you'll get a little devotional from Nikki and, Sil Nikki and Pippa Gumbel and then uh, about a 15-minute audio version of the, the Bible readings that day. And I tell you, if you're a new Christian, the most powerful thing you can do is start to read the Bible. Start to pray the scriptures, at, write down, maybe start keeping a prayer journal, the things that God is showing you, the things that you're learning about your relationship with God. Keep, write down some of your prayer requests. Because what you're going to notice is you flip back in your journal, wow, God answered that prayer. Whoa, and God answered that prayer too. And whoa, God has been there for me that, in this area, in that area. Start reading the Bible. Start praying. Start growing. Be a part of, of this church family. Certainly when we go back to in-person uh, gatherings, I'd love for you to be a part of that. And be a part of what we do during, during the week and Bible study and, and meet with other Christians one-on-one. -on -one. God has a fantastic plan for your life if you'll just embrace it, if you'll just say yes to him. I'm thankful that you watched this uh, today. We are, as I said, we're looking for in-person uh, gathering space, but I'm not in a hurry. I'll, I'll do it when God opens the door. And so we'll be doing online service for a few more weeks like this, and then I'll let you know as things develop. Keep joining me. I'm, I'm doing daily prayer during these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we, we are in the middle of day six. Tonight at sunset, we'll start day seven. And maybe go out, go without something. Turn off uh, social media or turn off the news or, or take, get away from sweets or just decide that you're going to fast from something. And just take these next several days and a couple weeks left and just seek the Lord. And prayer is such an important part of the spiritual discipline of, a, of the Christian life. So with that, that's enough for now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for worshiping. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and give you his peace. In Christ's name, amen, amen. Have a great day. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week and we'll, we'll talk to you throughout the week. Take care.
Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.